I wanted to start with, I realized, you know, when I'm putting this talk together that I've seen you everywhere. I've seen your face. I've been to quite a few of your talks and, you know, everything you're doing with the Baird Academy, but I don't know much about you. So um, how long have you been practicing in the UK and what kind of, what's your story been? Yeah, um, well, I was born in the UK, um, uh, in Morecambe, actually. And um, I stayed here for a couple of, three, four years. And then when I was young, my kid, my parents moved back to Jordan where they're from. And then from there, I did my uh, dental degree at Cairo University in Egypt. Wow. And immediately after that, I moved back to UK. Uh, I wanted to do my oral surgery training, then decided to do my master's degree in implant dentistry at the University of Manchester. Mm -hmm. And I was so lucky having two fantastic tutors, Marco Esposito and Paul Coulthard. And uh, from there, um, like since 2007, I've been my practice being limited to implant dentistry. Yeah, well, you've achieved a lot in that 13 years. And, yeah. and you're now, uh, you know, one of, you're now representing the UK on the international stage. You do a lot of international speaking. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, do you find that there's a difference when you go and speak abroad versus the UK? Is there a difference in the Congresses and the culture? And what do you find? Um, uh, with Baird Academy, we've, um, you know, we've gone, to Iraq, uh, we've gone to Dubai, we've gone to Croatia, Macedonia, Bulgaria, even to the States. And it's really nice to listen to sort of different aspects, how do people do implants differently. Yeah. But I've also discovered people do respect the British brand. You know, the, the moment you say, we're coming from UK, we practice in UK, and this is how we do it. Yeah. People do respect that. Yeah. Now, yes, in United Kingdom, we're a bit behind the rest of Europe when it comes to cosmetic implant dentistry. Okay. But still, in general, people do respect uh, anything coming from the UK. And yeah. that's, that, that was amazing. That was amazing. So you say, you say we're a little bit behind Europe in, in aesthetic cases. What, what do you mean by that? Um, I mean, look at, uh, if you say Italy, for example. Yeah. All the beautiful work comes, you know, when the soft tissue, Zocchelli School, uh, Rob, uh, Rossi School, you know, they are really one step ahead. Yeah. Having said that, nowadays I've noticed also we start to get fantastic speakers from South America as well. Brazil right. and it's all about this tiny little soft tissue work and I mean there's definitely one of the things that I'm seeing in the UK is there is this kind of trend towards soft tissue work you know in in cases that are put out there on a online forum um, and and talks as well do you that, that's something I'm seeing more of in the last kind of maybe two or three years I'm really starting to notice more and more and more and more of that do you think that's something that's going to be a bit of a fad and a phase or, or something that's going to be a, a long-term trend? Um, I think it's going to be long-term because it's all about patient expectation. Yeah. So soft tissue work is, is, is a big part of that if you're wanting to achieve an aesthetic outcome. So yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I, guess I think one of the reasons I've been slow to jump in and do a soft tissue course, personally speaking, is I've seen a lot of kind of changing trends, even in the short time I've been doing implantology. And I, and, and I suspect you're the same, you know. Yeah. You could believe in the Zucchelli school, you could believe on the Swiss school, you could believe on the South American school. 
But as long as we agree on the diagnosis and we agree on the principles, which mm -hmm. are very clear nowadays, we all agree that, you know, you need to have thick gum to support the bone. Yeah. And you need to have thick bone to support the gum. So it's like, you know, the Lithuanian um, group. So what I'm trying to say, you know, at the end of the day, regardless how you're going to get there, it, you know, what works with your hands. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think take home message would be for all my younger implant dentists is I think the earlier you get into some higher level of soft tissue skills, the better. And you're going to enjoy your cases more and more. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I, um, I saw you comment on one of my posts is, is about um, the zero bone loss concept, which yeah. is um, which I hadn't known too much about, but I think it's actually quite interesting. For, would you mind summarizing for people listening? What, what's the zero bone loss concept? Well, I mean, it's based on some very good random controlled trials. So it's not just a theory, okay? okay? So that's the start with. And what we know nowadays, it's basically depending on the principle of biological width. You need to have sufficient amount of gum thickness or mucosa thickness on top of the bone for the bone to stay stable okay. if you have like a mucosa of less than 1.5 millimeter or something like that yeah. the biology the moment you restore your implant biological mm -hmm. concept will kick in again yeah. and that will mean the bone will have to resorb tiny bit yeah. so to preserve the bone you really need to maintain that three millimeter mucosa thickness on the top now how to get there Again, there are different ways. Yeah. One of them is to try to go for soft tissue graft, even with posterior implants, to increase the thickness. The other way, and this is what we do, we like to tent the soft tissue. So, you know, the last time I used cover screw was 2010. Right. So for the last 10 years, I've never used a cover screw. Wow. Okay. If I'm going to bury my implant, submerged protocol, we would yeah. go for a two millimeter healing abutment right. and use that healing abutment to tent the soft tissue. Now you're going to have dead space around that healing abutment. Yeah. Now, obviously that dead space, if it's nice, tight seal, going to be filled with granulation tissue. Right. And that granulation tissue will, mat you, will mature to thicker soft tissue. So you've tented the, you know, the, the mucosa, and then gradually, within six weeks, you've increased the thickness of your soft tissue right. without the need to do any sort of extensive surgery. Yeah. The third way of doing it is to say, right, we're going to do the reverse treatment planning concept, where we say, ideally, this is my margin of my future restoration, yeah. and measure three millimeter, and that means sometimes placing the implant a bit subcrystal because you're sort of planning for that bone to remodel yeah. and getting that gum to have that three millimeter. And, and as somebody who does kind of get to see speakers around the world and see what kind of topics and, and subject matters on the lineup, where do you think we'll end up? What do you think the next trend's gonna be in implant dentistry? Or where do you think we in the UK are gonna start to shift towards? Do you think there's gonna be anything we're doing differently when we're chatting 10 years time? I think digital is an issue. Definitely everyone shifting digital. Okay. And um, like it or not, it's like um, a snowball effect. You know, it started with the lab technicians yeah. going digital. And then now 
implant dentistry going digital and more recent bone grafting going digital and this is what i do more and more nowadays where we get these cat cam bone blocks from the human tissue bank yeah. we scan we scan the atrophic ridge let's say mandible yeah. send that scan to the human tissue bank we have some live donors going through hip surgery operations nothing wrong with their bone yeah. but then to fit this big titanium head they have to harvest the head of the femur and then they will cat cam it to the way you like so your vertical bone augmentation now you don't need to harvest bone you yeah. need you don't need to shave bone all what you need to do is focus on your soft tissue skills to have a good soft tissue closure under no tension okay. so that two hour stressful operation becomes 45 minutes where all your focus is going to be on the soft tissue management skills because the bone being dealt with before you even started your surgery. Yeah. And that's what we do nowadays. Yeah. How, how, do you keep, how do you make sure that a big bone block like that is well hydrated and so you don't get this kind of dead bone inside the sequestrum leading to failure of that bone graft? That's yeah. a perfect point. That's a very perfect point. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, these bone blocks are cancellous. Mm -hmm. So they're like sort of full of spaces. That's number one. And, you know, when you get allograft, which is um, uh, a dry freeze bone, usually it kept a bit moist, five degree um, hydration. And that makes it easier for you to rehydrate the block before using it. Okay. Now, if you look at histology and histology taken from the middle of the block, and there are some good studies showing five years on, 100% remodeling into natural bone. Mm -hmm. So no more allograft being left over. Yeah. This is another shift I think we're going to find dentists in UK shifting towards. We trust xenograft less and less than before. I remember when I started, xenograft was the magic powder we use everywhere. Mm -hmm. But nowadays we understand the biology and we know xenograft doesn't remodel more than, if you're lucky, 30% in five years, 12% mm -hmm. in the first year. Mm -hmm. And that means the remaining going to be more xenograft particles and lots of connective tissue. Okay. So it's all right to use it as like an outer layer to build a nice ridge contouring to maintain that convexity. But I don't think it's all right to keep that with very little vital bone touching my exposed implant threads. Okay. Okay. Now, I was thinking about it the other day. I mean, why do we get periimplantitis? Mm -hmm. At the very beginning, we used to think, well, we still think periimplantitis is to do with bad oral hygiene and, you know, bad patient selection and patients with periohistory, they get periimplantitis. Mm -hmm. And then later on, we also discovered you know, cement can give us periimplantitis. And that's why gradually now we're shifting into screw retained restorations whenever possible. Third point, we now realize that implant positioning is very important. Mm -hmm. If you place the implant too labial, you're going to lose bone. Fourth point, though, that what covers these implants, I personally believe, and this is anecdotal, and maybe in the future we're going to find better evidence that. When we have xenograft covering exposed implant surfaces, there'll be higher risk of periimplantitis in dental implant. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it where 
people had xenograft, you know, I treated people seven years ago, eight years ago, xenograft on the implant surface. Everything goes stable, 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 and all of a sudden explosion. You take x-rays, no yeah. bones on x-rays. Yeah. You, you perioprobe pus, eight, nine millimeter pockets. Mm -hmm. And then you open the flap, you find that xenograft still there, but yeah. contaminated. So maybe, and I hope so, this is going to be a shift where implant dentists are going to start to use different types of bone, whether alloplast or allograft or xenograft, depends on the indication rather than one magic powder for everything. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I think that's interesting. Uh, that that begs the question. It was, you know, I think it was great fit to hear you say, look, some of my cases, this is what I was doing in the past, and and now I've moved away from it. What would you say, kind of, what kind of mistakes have you made in the past that you, you know you think people should learn from? Yes, I would say one of the first things I did not have the, I, d I did not know the importance of perfect implant positioning. Okay. We started 13 years ago, 15 years ago, people used to just follow the bone. Nowadays, you know, it's clear principle, prosthetic planning, reverse treatment planning. Yeah. You know, that, that's a must. And nowadays with the digital, that will be even better and better. Okay. Um, using one magic powder for everything. You cannot use that. You know, you need to understand biology and use the bone graft according to what you want to achieve from that bone graft. We still don't have this perfect bone graft. Even allograft is not perfect by itself because it gives you good remodeling, 60% in 24 weeks, but it doesn't give you good stability. So, you know, and I think nowadays we believe in short implants. So again, it's all about being minimally invasive. I think if I've learned something after 13 years in implant dentistry, it's all about the patient it's not about what you can do it's about what that patient can tolerate and what's suitable for that specific patient amazing i think that's very good advice um hassan thank you very much for your time that was brilliant